All right, here we are. Episode 10 of the Lay the Points podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Caps, alongside Jordan Shiro. Man, I cannot tell you I haven't been this excited for an NBA Finals game in a really, really long time. Yeah, we definitely have a series now tied two to two. Um, I know you didn't watch the game live and you recorded it later. Uh, what were your thoughts? Because I saw it live and 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 you had texted me. You're like, no spoilers. I'm out with my family tonight. And I was like, all right. And I really wanted to reach out to you, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to respect that. I'm going to let him uh, enjoy the game um, as much as you could. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Warriors uh, had, uh, had a big bounce back game in Boston tied it up in a in a monster monster game from Steph Curry what were your thoughts you know it, it's funny I was torn I had I struggled so much so the kids it was like movie night out at the school and friends of ours and their friends we were all getting together so I was like all right, I'm gonna record this just watch it all later I had to text you and a number of people to let them know no texting me nothing because I don't want to be spoiled at all but I it was really hard to not check my phone as we're sitting there throughout the night and then we get home, get the kids to bed, and it was really, really nerve-wracking because even though at halftime the Celtics had a lead, uh, they led by five at the break, and there was some things that looked good for them. You know, most of the Warriors were not shooting the ball well. Curry was pretty much their whole offense. The Celtics offensively just didn't look quite right. They had 10 turnovers at half, and I knew coming into that game, the magic number is 15 or 16. When Boston commits 16 or more turnovers in the playoffs, they're one and six. When they commit 15 or less, they're 13 and two. It's it's almost like you can take it to the bank. If you show me a box score without the score of the game, and I just see how many turnovers they had, I might be able to tell you who won the game. So I was I was pretty on edge. Um, and you got to give credit where credit is due. Steph Curry, uh, you know, I, I normally don't praise Stephen A. Smith all too often. But his take, or excuse me, it wasn't Stephen A. Smith. It was uh, uh, Jalen Rose, actually, ESPN's coverage after the game. Said tonight, Steph Curry was that man. He was that man. He was LeBron that we've seen in the finals when he took over a game and single-handedly won a finals game himself. Or Jordan back in the day. Like It was that type of performance. It was a historic, legendary performance from a historic, legendary player Kudos to him. It was unreal, especially coming off the injury in game three. Um, and now, yeah, now it's a best of three heading back to Golden State, man. It, it, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Steph Curry, um, 43 points, seven threes, 10 rebounds. Uh, he was just phenomenal. I mean, some some of the threes he made, he clearly got fouled on, still made them. He, he was just on another level. Uh, in that game and you know like the next highest scorer um, was Clay Thompson with 18 he he was made four threes but he shot seven to 17 and uh, a nice game from Andrew Wiggins you know 17 points uh, and a quiet 16 rebounds 13 yeah. 13 defensive and three offensive so he had a he had a nice productive game but uh, yeah without Steph Curry just kind of taking over um, I mean they could easily be going into game five down three to one and that would just be trouble. So, I mean, Curry, I, I think we talked before the final start that there was like a prop bet for the him to score at least to like average 32. He's probably right around there, right? I mean, he's with, averaging 34 a game so far in the playoffs There you go, or in the finals, 34 a game. So there you go. Um, 
but yeah, he was he just, you know, I mean, I'm following on social media and everyone's just blowing up about Steph Curry, but this is just what he does. He has championship experience. It, I mean, he just, he can just take over. Um, and, and, you know, with Boston's defense that I've seen in the finals so far guarding him, a lot of the times when Marcus Smart, whoever is guarding him gets screened, that big has, has to play up. And, you know, you can't give one of the best shooters in NBA history, any kind of daylight. Cause he's like, he's going to read the, uh, the man playing off and he's just going to fire away. It's just what he's going to do. So you have to like come up and, and at least show or, or just like be right up on him off that screen. Otherwise, I mean, like I'd rather have him, you know, dribble around me maybe for a tough layup or try to make a nice pass to the corner and give up a wide open three to Steph freaking Curry. So, I mean, hopefully they can adjust to that and in game five, I think they will. Um, I really like Boston, even though they've really kind of put, you know, um, a handle on, on, on Jason Tatum. I, I thought he was going to be a monster in this series. And I had said earlier, um, before the NBA finals, um, started and I wish I could take this back, but I said that Jalen Brown wasn't going to be, wasn't going to have a good series. And man, was I wrong on that one? He's, he's played great, um, um, for the season. And so, uh, I really expect Boston to, uh, to come out tonight and really take it to, to the Warriors. And I wouldn't be surprised if they led most of the game. Um, it's just a really, really interesting stat that you had, um, for, for Boston is they're seven and zero after a loss in the playoffs with an ad, average margin of victory of 16 points, which is the third largest in NBA playoffs history. So I fully expect them to be ready and to come out firing tonight. What are your thoughts on, you know, Boston's mentality going into game five? I, I agree that Boston's not going to back down. So coming into game five, the Warriors are favored by four. Over-under sitting it, they, they dropped the over-under a little bit to 210.5, it looks like, going into Game 5. And every time the Celtics' backs have been up against the wall in this postseason, they've responded, a la that stat that you just mentioned. And I feel like they probably feel backed into a corner after the way they lost that last game, even though this isn't a must-win game for them. They get to go back home in Game 6 regardless and if they win that game, they can at least force a game seven. So I wouldn't say it's a must win, but I do expect them to come out and play very, very well. And to your point, when Curry is coming off a lot of those high screens, a lot of times it's Al Horford. The Warriors are doing a great job of sending mostly Draymond, but whoever is Al Horford is guarding because Horford doesn't have the foot speed that if he shows, if Marcus Smart tries to go under that screen, and instead of Al Horford coming up and showing and cutting off Curry's ability to get a clean look from deep, he's so concerned that Curry will run right around him that he's not taking that extra step to close that distance and Curry's getting clean looks. At this point, with how well he is shooting the basketball, if I'm Ime Odoka, I tell Al Horford, take that extra step, don't let him get that look from three, and if he goes around you, someone from the weak side is going to have to rotate and then let Curry kick it to another wide open three because there's no one else for Golden State that is consistently hitting shots. Clay Thompson, yes, he hit four threes, seven for 17 in back-to-back games. And those are his two best offensive games of the series, and he still didn't shoot very well. 
Wiggins is having a very strong impact, but he's not scoring a ton. And there's, I mean, Draymond himself is literally a liability offensively. They're playing four on five half the time offensively. Even, I mean, the Celtics are playing 10, 15 feet off of him when he has the basketball. Um, But also, I think one thing that Boston needs to do is fight over those screens, man. The refs are letting you play in this series. If you're Marcus Smart, you're Derek White, get over that screen. Don't go under to potentially put Al Horford in that position. If you can fight over it, do it. Um, And then maybe that makes the difference. Uh, But I agree that Boston is going to be prepared. They're going to play well tonight in game five. But one thing that I talked about at the beginning of this series, and remember, I'm a diehard Celtics fan. I pray to God that I am wrong. I have never hoped to be wrong more than I am today. But I said at the beginning of the series, I like the Warriors in six. I have predicted all four games correctly thus far. And I just, as I said before the series began, if the game is close late, which I expect tonight to be, I don't trust Boston to make the right plays on offense. And knowing Golden State is arguably the best closing team we have seen since the Bulls in the 90s, it's such a mismatch if the game is within a possession or two in the final minutes. I said Boston, the only way they win this series is if they get runaway victories, which both of their victories so far in this series have been runaway victories. I think they will need to be ahead by six or eight or 10 with four minutes to play. And it gives them that little bit of space where they don't have to be super efficient and they can kind of wind the clock a little bit. But if it's a, if they're up by two, they were up by four with five minutes left in game four on their home floor. And they looked awful down the stretch of that game. So I expect tonight to be close. And unfortunately, I think that favors the Warriors. So if I had to go, I take the Warriors minus four. I think they probably maybe hit some free throws similar to game four and end up winning by six or seven. How about you? I like the Boston Celtics tonight. And the reason being is um, based on the being seven and zero after a loss. And uh, I think they will figure out their defend, uh, defensive um lulls and figure that out and be able to um, capitalize, hopefully getting some turnovers um, from the Warriors because they can be very turnover uh, heavy if you really press them. But um, I like Boston plus four tonight. I I wouldn't be surprised if Boston has a lead for most of the game and the Warriors are playing catch up and they're able to get a couple stops late and seal a big win. One thing for me, um, the Warriors are probably, would you say, the best third quarter team in the NBA? And they've won almost every third quarter, I think, in this series. They've won all four. If Boston can come out hot and beat them in the third quarter and kind of take away that, you know, just build like a nice, comfortable lead, I think that would be huge. Because I know they know that the Warriors can, you know, they they adjust very, very well at halftime and they come in and they just kind of stomp on your throats and get a nice comfortable lead. But I'm uh I'm I was leaning the Warriors over the weekend. I really was. But my mind has changed just because uh I honestly think Boston's the better team. And we 
honestly, uh, like I don't think we've really seen the Warriors in this series really go nuclear yet. Like firing on all cylinders, it, like just haven't seen it. I mean, like you see it in the regular season that everyone is just, but it's just like Clay is going to have a game where he's just unconscious. Like, and could that be tonight? Well, Jordan Poole said over the weekend exactly what you were saying right there that you haven't seen that explosion from Golden State. And he said he expects it to happen in game five. He thinks it's coming. Um, I, I do think a lot of the reason why we haven't seen that in this series from them is because they're playing the best defense in basketball and probably one of the best defenses that the NBA has seen in the last 10, 15 years. They are unbelievable defensively. Um, and one of the key cogs to the Celtics defense is Robert Williams. He changes so much of the game for Boston. And he played a series high, and actually I think it was a playoff high, 31 minutes in game four, despite he's still not close to healthy. You, you can see it. He hobbles occasionally from end to end and yet still makes a big impact. He had two more blocks in game four. He had four in game three. He changes so many other shots. Um, and also he can rotate. He can get out on shooters. His closing ability. I forget. I believe it was in game one or game two. And Curry went to take a three from the corner. It might've been clay. And Williams was under the basket when they caught it in the corner. He took one step and jumped and blocked the shot. And Curry or Clay talked after the game, and they even said, like, I didn't think he could get out there that quickly. The presence that he has on the floor is massive. Now, he did leave with four minutes left. He asked out of game four because his knee was really bothering him late in that game. I'm sure the Celtics wish they he could have been in there for the final four minutes. Um but apparently over the weekend, he talked about feeling much, much better. And he said he's, this has been one of some of his better days, but he's still not 100%. So a lot of the Celtics defense and their efficiency, you know, relies on how well he is playing and how much he can play. Because in a couple of games of the series, he's only logged 15 minutes. If he can only play 15 to 20 tonight, it could be a really long night for the Celtics. If he can get 25 to 30, I like their chances a lot more. Um, but I agree that I could totally see Boston leading for much of this game. Obviously, the Golden State third quarter thing, is a, it's real. It's not just this series. They were a plus 232 this season. They're one of the best third quarter teams I've ever seen in my life. It's unreal. And Ime Odoka talked about it after game four, after the loss, and said, you know, we finally did a much better job in the third quarter, and they did. They actually were outscoring the Warriors by three points midway through the third quarter. They still lost the third quarter by six. It like at this point, in my in my eyes, it's a basically a guarantee that Golden State is going to win the third quarter, which is really interesting because in Vegas, they're only a half point favorite in the third quarter. So knowing that, that's easy money. I bet it in game three. I'm gonna bet it in game four. Like I don't know why anyone wouldn't be betting that. It is Vegas is handing you money if you bet on the Warriors third quarter because it's almost always minus a half a point because um, the for the whole game, it's four. So they can't make it a big number. Um, so like that, that's just a little side bet, side nugget that it's so easy to take advantage of that a lot of people just don't realize. Yeah, it's. That's what's hard about this series in general because there's no really home court advantage. I mean, both teams are so good. They can win on each other's floor. Like, it doesn't matter. So it's kind of like, 
you just kind of have to, you know, look at, you know, like their records of how they are on the road and, and, and kind of just base it off that because I mean, you would think like, Oh yeah, the Warriors and Vegas is thinking minus four for the Warriors, but Boston's a damn good team and they're very good on the road, especially when, you know, like their backs against the wall, they always come out. So I would not like, that's why I like yeah. Boston a lot. Tonight yeah. I mean, because- they, they've been a much better road team in these playoffs. They're eight and yeah. three on the road, only six and five at home. But yeah. here's something else I want to chat about because there's been a lot of discussion on this, especially after Curry's explosion in game four. Um, and I'm curious what your take is. Should Steph Curry win NBA finals MVP, even if the Warriors lose, obviously he's going to win it. If they win, that's a slam dunk. If they win, it's over. He's already won it. But if they lose, should he win it? What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I mean, my gut says it should be that way. You know, the best player in the series, but I don't know. I mean, like he's had a really, really good series. And like you said, he was averaging like 34, 35 a game, basically carrying his team because I don't know where they'd be without him um, based on their supporting cast. Draymond is not really that much of a factor and clay is just not fully there in Jordan Poole. So um, I would say no, um, unless he was like literally did something where he brought him back like down o three and he was averaging like forty a game. Wow, that's what it would take from you. See, yeah. for me, I think it's all circumstance based, and you and I touched on it a little bit before the podcast. And LeBron had an NBA Finals against this Warriors team a few years ago, where he was the best player. Mm-hmm. But one difference between this series and that series. In that series, LeBron was the best player. He almost averaged a triple-double, if I remember correctly. Um, And they lost that series in five or maybe six games. But it wasn't like Steph Curry had a bad series or KD had a bad series. It it, it wasn't about that. Or Clay, like they still a good series. It's just LeBron was the best player on the floor. In this particular situation, Jason Tatum is shooting 33%. 33%. Jalen Brown is a little bit better. He's around 41%, I believe. Neither one of them are shooting the ball very well. Tatum is turning the ball over a ton, uh, especially in the losses. He had six more turnovers again. And knowing that the stars for the Celtics statistically are nowhere close to even what they're used to doing, or at least for Jason Tatum, Brown is around what he typically averages Um, and he's had some really big moments. He's had some big first quarters and he had one big fourth quarter in one of the two Boston wins so far. Um, but Steph Curry currently is minus 150 to win the MVP. As I said, if the Warriors win the series, which we're tied to two, they have home court. They're favored to win the series right now. If, if they win the series, he's already won the MVP. It's already over. So that gets you already that half of it. And since they're favored, it gets you maybe slightly more than 50% that he's a lock to get it. And knowing that there is a chance that he could still get it when, even if they lose this series, if they lose in seven and in game seven, he drops 43 again, or he drops 39 in a loss And Boston just has five guys with 18 or more, which they're fully capable of doing. I could see the world where he becomes just the second player ever, along with the logo, Mr. Jerry West, 
back in 1969 to win the NBA Finals despite being on the losing squad. Uh, and a little bit of piece of sweet irony to all that, Jerry West also lost to my Boston Celtics in that Finals, um, and it went seven. So, so I could foresee that happening, and knowing that circumstance is a decent possibility at minus one fifty, I feel like I'd probably lay those odds. Yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. Um, some some other odds for other players for the Celtics: uh, Jason Tatum to win uh, Finals MVP is plus one eighty, and one I really like is Jalen Brown is plus seven hundred. And I mean, like, what if Jalen Brown scores, you know, 30 and like 30 and, and, you know, and like they win it. I mean, he could, he could get it. Like, I like those odds. Yeah. If that happens, like if, if you told me right now, the Celtics are going to win this series, I would bet that Jalen Brown would win it over Jason Tatum right now. Yeah. And yet you're getting plus 700 instead of the plus 180 that Tatum is giving you. And I know that Tatum... You know, when when he assists, when he when he actually is a playmaker for his teammates, uh, I think the Celtics, they've won 15 straight games when he has seven or more assists. He had 13 in game one. He had nine in game three. So if he, you know, if Tatum puts up like 25 in eight over the next couple of games and they win them both, maybe Tatum gets it. But to me, Brown, in terms of the value, is by far a better value play for finals MVP. If you're going to bet on any Celtic, there is no, those are the only three players that are even worth it. Anyone else, you're just throwing your money down the trash. There is no one else that has any chance of winning MVP in this series. Um, Unless maybe Robert Williams, the next two games puts up like 15 and 15 with four blocks, but he's just not healthy enough to be able to do that. Um, So I think these are really the only three players that can win it. And yeah, I think uh, you, you hit the nail on the head that that's, the Jalen Brown, if you're going to bet it on a Celtic, he's the one to go with at plus 700. And there's some other prop bets um, that we had mentioned last week. We'll mention again, um, Steph Curry uh, scoring 35 plus any game and wins finals MVP is plus 165. Uh, the yep. Warriors- yep. So if you, if, if you had listened to us last week and yep. placed that bet, you'd yep. be sitting in a really good spot because you already hit your 35 and he's the prohibited favorite to win MVP at this point. So you'd probably be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, and then the Warriors win the series in five or six games. That was plus 240. And then Marcus Smart uh, to average over 12.5 points a game for the series, and he's averaged 15.5 so far. So hopefully uh, everyone listened and maybe you know took that because that was a nice one. Well, yeah, I mean, and we even talked about it briefly with, with Marcus Smart. He had 20 in, in game one and he had two in game two. So Vegas just split the difference and put the number at 12 and a half. But you and I both knew he was going to be scoring more than 12, probably every game, the rest of this series. And if game two wasn't such a blowout in the fourth and he actually played in the fourth quarter, he would have had six or eight or 10 in that game. So that one seemed like easy money to us. And he's dropped 18 in both games since. And he's probably going to be scoring anywhere from 10 to 18 in every game from here on out. So yeah, that one really stood out to us. So hopefully, because it's too late, you're not going to get those odds now. I think they've bumped that up to 14 or 15 uh, at, after these last couple games. But if you had listened to us before, and you know, we know what we're doing. We know where the easy money is. And once again, we hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, I do want to ask you one more point because you had mentioned something about um, Jason Tatum being a playmaker. 
uh, as a Celtics fan, do you want to see him me be more uh, selfish and kind of, you know, take a lot more shots and try to like take over games and, um, or do you want him to continue to playing, you know, like the way he's doing as a playmaker and, and trying to get everyone involved because I know you watch a lot of Celtics basketball. I mean, I don't, um, as much as you do. So, you know, going into tonight and, uh, and game six, like, do you want to see him more selfish and get himself going? To me, when I watched that game four and, it wasn't even that he didn't score the final 10 minutes and 40 seconds of that game. He, he didn't really look to score. Um, you know, he might take one dribble drive and they kind of, and he would pass it out back outside somewhere. I think he similar to what I referenced earlier, Jalen Rose saying that Steph Curry was that man the Celtics need him to be that man to win the series. And that doesn't necessarily mean he has to score. We've, we've seen in game one, he was three for 17 shooting and the Celtics won going away because he was a playmaker. So I want him to be more aggressive, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean he scores 35 or drops 46. Like he did in game six in Milwaukee. I'd love to see it. Don't get me wrong. But I think the Warriors are doing such a great job on him when he tries getting into the lane. But he needs to make sure he's making the right basketball play. There are too many times he is forcing dribble drives when it's not there. And yes, sometimes he hits a really tough layup. Most of the time he doesn't. And and those are the shots that he's missing is when he's forcing it and trying to take really tough contested layups from way far away from the backboard, honestly. Um, and I think those are the ones he needs to stop, find the right man. And, you know, even if that's not the guy that scores, that pass could be lead to the next pass uh, And the Celtics. When they move the ball, well, their offense is so good and so efficient. And if they do that it, throughout the remainder of this series, I think they will win this series. Um, so to answer your question, I guess, yes, I want him to be more aggressive, but it just doesn't necessarily mean it has to be shot attempts. All right, so I am taking the Boston Celtics plus four tonight, and you are taking the Warriors minus four? Yes, yes, I am. I think, like you, I think it'll be close, but I'm, I'm going to take the Warriors to hit some free throws late to put it away. All right, let's jump into the best segment of the show. Kendall's Corner is going to uh, break down some uh, uh, Stanley Cup finals for you, so take it away, Kendall. All right, well, th- this NHL, you know, unlike the NBA playoffs where we have had blowout after blowout, a record number of blowouts, the Stanley Cup playoffs have been phenomenal and extremely close for many, many games. And kudos to what Tampa Bay has done. They're back in the Stanley Cup finals for the third straight year. First team since Wayne Gretzky and the Oilers in the mid-80s to reach three straight. They're looking to become the first team since the early 80s, since 1983, when the New York Islanders won three straight. The Islanders ended up actually winning four from 1980 to 1983. Um, But what they have done is truly impressive, and they're going against a juggernaut in Colorado who has pretty much cruised through most of the West. So I think there's a few a few bets that are totally worth placing heading into this series. I had already talked about last week that Nathan McKinnon, he was plus 270, and you weren't going to get better odds 
for him to win this, the Conn Smythe Trophy. His odds are now down to 240. Just like I said, they were going to get worse. So if you did jump on it then, good for you. Otherwise, I don't know if he's really worth it at plus 240 because there are too many other players, especially knowing they are now going against the Lightning and not the Rangers. So coming into the series, to win the Conn Smythe playoff MVP, Andre Vasilevsky, the Lightning goaltender, he's plus 480 currently, and he has been... I don't think many people are going to deny it. The best player on the ice for Tampa Bay for much of this postseason. After they were trailing and for the first time in three years lost back-to-back playoff games. For the first time in three years, they lost back-to-back playoff games. What did he do? He allowed five goals over the next four games. One and a quarter goals a game. That's insane. He's playing lights out. And I know Colorado has one hell of an offense. They are the most talented, deepest offense in the league. But remember, they're down Nazem Kadri, who might not come back this series. Andrew Andrew Cogliano also had surgery, might not play in this series. That's going to force other players to have to play extended minutes that they're not used to playing. Their offense isn't nearly as good as it normally is. At plus 480, Vasilevsky is a great bet for the con Smythe. Another guy that's unbelievably criminally underrated in terms of being able to win the, the con Smythe is Miko Rantanen. He's plus 3,000. And I know he hasn't been the standout that McKinnon and Maker have been for Colorado in this series. But Colorado is a slight favorite to win this series. If they do, they will have the Conn Smythe winner. Ranton, it's not like he's been chopped liver in these playoffs. He has five goals and 12 assists. If he puts together a really big series, the fact that you can get him at 30 to 1 is bananas. He is one of the best goal scorers in the world. Go get him at 30 to 1. Even if you just throw a few shekels on it, it will, you'll be more than happy. He shouldn't be more than 10 to 15 to one. That is criminally underrated. Go put some money on it. Another one that really stands out that I've been money on so far. I'm six and one on predicting series totals on goals. They, they moved Colorado's total up this or down this series because they're playing against Vasilevsky to 32 and a half. But I think everyone is expecting this to be at least a six game series as am I. If this game goes, this series goes six games, probably seven games, 32 and a half with an offense as good as Colorado's is. And it's not like the Lightning are not good at offense. They also have numerous outstanding goal scorers and league MVPs that 32 and a half, that's six goals a game if it's a six game series. If it's a seven game series, that's just over five goals a game. The Avalanche have scored seven or more goals four times in the playoffs. Their their games are averaging almost eight and a half goals a game. Like, give me that over 32 and a half, run to the bank, easy, easy money. If I had to make a pick on the series, I'm going to take the team that has shown me time and time again that they step up when they need to. Colorado is extremely young and inexperienced. The the lights are going to be the brightest. And Tampa Bay, again, they've shown it before. They're plus 155 to win the Stanley Cup. If I'm going to go one way or the other, give me the plus 155. Give me the team to make some history. That's it for Kendall's Corner. For Jordan Chereau, I'm Kendall Caps. It's been Layer Points. Let's go Celtics.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.